Go ahead and take the offering. And so Good Friday was about the morning. But this morning we celebrate Easter. And Easter, Easter is all about the resurrection. It's not about the, the Easter eggs. And there will be Easter eggs maybe later. It's not about the brunch, although there's going to be a brunch. It's not about the ham, although there's, there's a ham, I think. And so it's not about those things. It's not about the Easter bunny, although those things are great. Is that we say that Easter is a celebration. It's the celebration of the resurrection of Jesus. And I think about how odd Easter is. I mean, think about Easter outside of even a Christian perspective or a Christian worldview. How, how, how really odd Christ, uh, sorry, Easter must be. I mean, think about what we're celebrating, right? Uh, outside of the Christian perspective, you'd say just that uh, a man who lived in an obscure part of the world, who was born in poverty and had some followers, died as a criminal. And he wasn't a criminal, but he died a criminal's death. And then some of his friends said that he didn't die, he came back. And then you fast forward 2,000 years and people are taking a picture with a man in a bunny costume. You're like, I think I missed something. I miss a, a lot of the logical, of course, you could, that's even within a Christian view, that's still a little weird, but, but, but I, I miss something. You go, yeah, yeah, yeah. Is, isn't it crazy? And in fact, I, I think the fact that we celebrate and Easter is such a big deal, thousands of miles away, thousands of years later, says something. And I think that if you, if, even if you're not a Christian, I think you have to wrestle with that. You have to wrestle why, like, with this idea of like, what, why, why is the world so captivated with this life? Why is the world so captivated with his death? And then why is the world so captivated thousands of years later? You think about how quickly things come and go. How quickly people die and then are forgotten. And it seems like that's happening faster and faster and faster. And so you have to ask yourself the question, why is it that 2,000 years later, thousands of miles away, millions of people are still captivated by the life, death, and the resurrection. It makes no sense. It makes no sense, I would say, outside of God's, God's perspective. And so this morning, we're going to look at a story. We're going to look at some people that are, that are, that are wrestling with this very idea. And this morning, as we look at this, is that this happens after, so the resurrection has happened, uh, Mary and, and company, they went to the tomb. The tomb was empty. And then the, they came back and told the disciples, hey, we went to the tomb, and it's empty. And so then the disciples, John and Peter, they ran to the tomb, and they checked it out, and everything checked out. And there, there's a lot of confusion. You think about when big, even now, when big events happen in our world, how much confusion is as it's happening you know, reports are coming out early. Some of the reports are contradicting other reports, and everyone's trying to put it all together. I think very much this is what's happening in the early moments of, of, of what we say is the first Easter Sunday. And so I want to take you to a place in Luke. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Luke chapter 24, and we're going to cover uh, the road to Emmaus. Maybe you're familiar with this story. Maybe this story is new to you. And so this is going to be Luke chapter 24. We're going to start in verse 13. That very day, referring to what we would call Easter Sunday, right? The, the day of the resurrection. That very day, 
two of them would be referring to not the disciples, but probably a follower of Jesus. So not one of the 11 at this point, but one of a, probably a follower of Jesus. That very day, two of them were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking to each other about all these things that had happened. And while they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, What is this conversation that you are holding with each other as you walk? And they stood still, looking sad. Then one of them named Cleopas answered, Are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened uh, there in these days? And so these two, they're, they're walking away from Jerusalem. Now, they probably would have been going home. It was probably, they lived in Emmaus, so they were probably on their, their way home. And so Emmaus would be seven, about seven miles out, you know, a good day's journey. And so they were, they were, they were going home. And so what would happen is that, is, is, if you maybe you remember, is that all of this took place around Passover. Now with Passover, everybody would go to Jerusalem. Everybody goes to Jerusalem at Passover. And then everybody leaves. They all come for the party, and they all go home. And so these two were going home. And as they were going home, they were talking about all of the events and not just the food. They were talking about what had happened. They were talking about Jesus. They were talking about, about the crucifixion, about everything that had happened. I mean, I think, about you, think about yourself when you just have this intense experience, right? Like a, maybe you go to like a really good basketball game or a good football game or you go to a great concert or you go to uh, maybe even a, a movie that was really intense. And what you do, or a good party, when you, when, you, when you walk away, what do you do? You talk about it, right? Hey, what was up with that? And hey, it was good to see so-and-so. And what was not a great game? That catch at the end. I mean, it's all you do is you relive that moment. You have a car ride home. You, you, you talk about it on the car ride home. And that's what I picture these, these two doing. They're just, they're just walking along. They're, they're, they're talking. And then Jesus joins the conversation. Now, they don't know it's Jesus, but Jesus joins the conversation. Now, in our world, just to be honest, this is a little creepy, right? Like, you're having a conversation, and somebody walks up, hey, what are you talking about? Like, the stranger, like, what are you doing? I guess that would be weird in our context, right? Like, no, like, you're nosy. Go, go away. In an Eastern context, not, not so weird. It would be very common. Hey, I heard you guys were talking. What, what, what are you guys talking about? And they go, and it says here, it says, what does it say? It says that their eyes were kept from recognizing him. This is interesting because the text would indicate that it's God who kept them from recognizing him. Now, this may concern you. Why did God do that? Why wouldn't wouldn't Jesus just have it so so that they would recognize him? But it actually is is clear in the text that this was intentionally done, it seems to be, by God so that they, they wouldn't know. And so this was not a problem of identification. They didn't know what he, oh, they didn't know what he looked like. That's why they didn't know. This isn't a problem of identification. This is a problem of revelation. So it wasn't that they couldn't identify him, is that they were kept from identifying him because he had not been revealed. And so it says that the eyes were kept from recognizing him. And then it says, so what's this conversation? What are you guys talking about? What are you talking about? And they stood still, and I love this, they stood still and they looked sad. 
It's like they're walking, they're, you know, they're, they're walking along, walking along. Hey, what are you guys talking about? And they stop. I picture them like looking at each other like, who is this guy? Like, like where have you been? Like, have you, have you, are you the only person in the world that hasn't heard the stories? And I love this because this is the one who is at the center of the story asking about the story. Tell me. What did you hear? What do you know? What's the story? What are people saying? And so they look at each other, I think, with disbelief, sad. Are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? Verse 19. And he said to them, what things? And they said to him, concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had, we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all of this, it is now the third day since these things have happened. Probably one of my favorite questions from Jesus. What things? What things? What things? What things? Are you the only one that doesn't know about what's going, what happened in Jerusalem? You're completely disconnected from the whole story. Where have you been? Jesus' question. He asks a lot of questions in the ministry. This may be one of my favorites. What things? And he tells the story. The one who is at the center is allowing the other, knows more than anybody. He knows more about the story than anybody is letting others tell the story. You know, so often what we want to do is we want, is like if we know the story, what do we do? No, that's not how it went. Nope, 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 wrong, 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 wrong. Let me tell the story. Okay, you, you be quiet, let me tell the story. That's what we do, not Jesus. He lets him tell, lets him speak. What things? And it goes from my favorite question, then it goes to probably one of my, I think one of the saddest statements in the Bible. And this is when they had said, and you go, oh, it's where they had crucified? That's sad. But it actually, I think, for me, one of the saddest places in the Bible is verse 21. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. We had hoped. In other words, hope is past tense. Have you ever been in a place where you, you had hoped? I had hoped. And what does it tell you? It tells you that you, that you hope no more. Right? Because, because fu- uh, hope is rooted in the future. Hope is a future thing. And so, because hope is about the anticipation and the expectation of things to come. Specifically in the Bible, in, in relationship to God, is that hope is that we have the anticipation and expectation for God to deliver on his promises. That's biblical hope. And so hope is something that's rooted in the future. But I had hoped is rooted in the past. And whenever you, you had hoped, you know, this is a discouraging place, is it not? I mean, think about the difference between I hope I get the job, and I had hoped I got the job. 
Think about the difference between I hope the relationship works and I had hoped the relationship would work. One is about expectation, anticipation. The other one is about defeat, despair, over. Those are the places you feel like a fool. I was a fool for having hoped. And this is what they said, I I had hoped. And the resurrection, the resurrection, what it does is it moves us from had hoped back into hope. Where there, was, where there is death, now there is, is life. Where there was, all we saw was, it was, it was sin and guilt, and now there is, there is, there is righteousness. Loss is not loss, but victory. Over is not over anymore. But it's just the beginning. You hear about these guys. We had hoped. We had hoped that he was the one to fill in the blank, but he was not. And what they're doing is they're giving, they're basically, they're, they're, they're giving them, giving Jesus meaning into what has just happened. Then it goes on in verse 22. They're still talking. Moreover, some women of our company amazed us, amazed us. They were at the tomb early in the morning, and when they did not find his body, they came back saying that they had seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they did not see. And so they go, there's, there's more. There's word has come back. that The, the, the women, they went to the, tr- the tomb early in the morning. You could read about this in the first part of Luke 24 and other gospel accounts. They, they came in the morning and there was no body. And so then the women came back and this is a culture where the woman's testimony was not to be trusted. So the guys had to go verify, well, I'm going to go down there and see what's going on. I'm going to go check it out for myself. So they check it out. And what do they hear? The exact same story comes back. The tomb is empty. And they were amazed. They were amazed. But you know what I think? I think you couldn't have been very amazed because you're going to Emmaus. You left. I don't think you were convinced. How amazed were you that, that, that all of that has happened? And it's not like, you know what, we heard this story a month ago and we're like, yeah, we've waited around long. It's the same day. And I go, now we got to go. And I go, you were amazed, but you weren't overly amazed. And I think you weren't overly amazed because you didn't believe. Had you believed that the testimony was true, I think, I think you would have stayed. And so this is an interesting thing. They have intimate knowledge of it. The word has come back. Did you hear just what they have said? They said, we know the story about the crucifixion. We know the story of the resurrection. But now we're going to go on to Emmaus. And so this isn't a problem of identification. This is not a problem of information. They've got a ton of information. This is a problem of revelation. And so... They tell Jesus the story in which he is the central character of. It's beautiful. Verse 25. And he said to them, O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe, all the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? 
and beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. And so then Jesus, he kind of, he kind of flips the script a little bit. They're telling him, they're giving him information. Oh, this is what happened. Where have you been? Do you not know? Are you the only one? I'm going to give you the sad face. And then Jesus says, oh, foolish ones, do you not know? Do you not know the prophets? Do you not know the prophecies? And then Jesus, on this walk, he begins to inform them. Let's go back. Let's go back to Moses. By the way, Moses would have been the author of the first five books of the Bible. So he's like, let's go back to Genesis. Let's go to the, the, the prophets, Isaiah, Jeremiah. And I think Jesus was just saying, boom, boom, here it is, here it is. And, it, and this is what he says. He says, these, these are the things that are concerning me. And the beginning, and beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. I'll hear people say, well, Jesus, isn't, Jesus is not in the Old Testament. I go, really? They go, yeah, yeah, Jesus is just New Testament. Really? Well, I disagree with that. How can you disagree with that? Well, because Jesus disagreed with that. In fact, in fact he, he, he told these, these people on the way to Emmaus, he says, let me show you from, from Genesis throughout the Old Testament, I'm in there. I'm in there. He was talking about me. All of it. And this is this, that, that he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. People will say, what's the Bible for? And they'll say, well, the Bible is to teach us how to live. To tell us like the, the right and the wrong. I go, that's good. And the, the Bible does that. There's a lot of, hey, do this, don't do this. Do that, don't do that. Good idea, bad idea. That's wise, that's unwise. It does a lot of that, but I would, I, I would say that's not its main purpose. Its main purpose is to reveal to us Jesus. That's why the prophets give us all of it. And Jesus says, Jesus didn't go from, from Genesis to, 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 to Malachi. This is, uh, this is how you're to live. That's not what he said. He says, because when we could just slip into this, like, oh, do this, don't do this. And that's just a religion in the sense of, like, it's just, it's just a bunch of rules and regulations. And what Jesus is clearly inviting them into is something different. And he goes, I'm going to show you from beginning to end how this has been about me. And so he does that. And there's probably one place in the Bible I would have loved to listen in on. I think it would have been here. Teach me, Jesus. Teach me how you are throughout everything. Teach me how not only you are the word of God, but you are central to the word of God. And the word of God revolves around you from Genesis to Revelation. Teach me that. Now he was just doing Old Testament here, so we've been halfway through. Verse 28. So they drew near to the village to which they were going. He, referring to Jesus, acted as if he were going farther. But they urged him strongly, saying, stay with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is now far spent. So he went in to stay with them. So he went in to stay with them. And then while, and while at the table with them, he took the bread and blessed it and broke it and gave it to them. And their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he vanished from their sight. 
And I love this. Jesus acted as if he was going to go on. In, in other words, he wasn't going to. He's like, hey, so I'll, I'll see you guys later. But he knew he was going to stay and eat with them. I'm going to, I'll see you guys later. I'm like, no, 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 Jesus, stay. They noticed Jesus. I'm not even sure what they called him, I guess. But uh, hey, you, you stay, uh, stay, stay, eat with us. No, no, I'm going to go forward. No, 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 it's way too late. It's not safe to travel at night. Stay with us, eat. I'm thinking they're even thinking, and teach us some more. Let the, let, let Jesus, let your sermon be elongated. And so Jesus stays. And I love this because then all of a sudden the guest becomes the host. They think and they're showing hospitality to this guy. And Jesus is giving them hospitality. And then he breaks the bread. And what it tells us is that they breaks the bread and their eyes are open. And he goes. Just breaks the bread. I mean, think about this. Breaks the bread. And they're like, they recognize him. They go, it's Jesus, and then gone. And it's like, it seems like if you would have broke the bread at the beginning, right, we would have solved the whole problem. And they realize. I mean, think about this experience. I think about what I would think in this moment. I'm like, oh, man, I said some dumb things back there. I said some real dumb things. It was Jesus all along. They had the identification. They had the information. But it wasn't until they had the revelation that everything changed. And so we see this. And then all of a sudden Jesus is gone. Now they're thinking, well, what do we do? What do we do now? Like we just... the. He just showed up and just disappeared. And this is what they do. In verse 32, they said to each other, did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road, while he opened the scriptures to us? And they rose that same hour and returned to Jerusalem and they found the 11 uh, sorry, the 11 and those who were with them gathered together saying, the Lord has risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. Then they told what had happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of bread. And so I love this. They go, didn't, did not our hearts burn? I love this. I knew it. I knew it. You didn't know it. I did too know it. I knew it. I knew it the whole time. He was, he was preaching. I was like, mm, something's up. Something's up. And then he broke the bread. And I'm like, that's what it is. That's what it is. I knew it. But there was something that was happening when he was preaching, when he was teaching that was resonating with me. As he was opening up the scriptures, there was something that was taking place. And we knew it. And what do they do? They run back to Jerusalem. But do you remember what they told Jesus before when he wanted to go on? What did they say? It's too late. You can't travel now. This is a bad time to travel. It's going to be dark. It's dangerous. They didn't have flashlights, in case you were wondering. Like, they didn't have, the, they didn't have the, the, the light on their phone. Like It would have been dangerous. Robbers are out there. It's seven miles in the dark. I go camping, even to go from like the tent to the bathroom, sketchy, right? <laughs> They're going to go seven miles. 
back to Jerusalem after they told Jesus this is not safe. And I go, yeah, you know why? Because the revelation changes everything. And this is what we see here. People call this the road to Emmaus. It's, it's rightfully titled. I would love to title it, though, The Road to Emmaus That Leads Back to Jerusalem. Because that's what it is. Or called Two People Who Thought They Were Going to Emmaus. <laughs> A lot of other titles we could give this. Two people who thought they were going to leave Jerusalem. You know, it's this idea like they, they thought they were leaving Jerusalem to go to Emmaus to go home. And Jesus joins them at the beginning of that journey. Walks with them the whole way. And by the way, from what I can tell, never tells them to go back to Jerusalem. But because of the revelation, it changes everything. And this is what we see. Because of the revelation of the risen Jesus, it brings clarity to them of the scriptures. This is what happens. Because Jesus has revealed himself as the risen Lord, what it does is it, it, gives, them, it gives them clarity of the scriptures. I, I, I read that differently now. I never saw it that way. Because of the revelation of the risen Jesus, it changes the course of their journey. Because of the revelation of the risen Jesus, it changes their motivation. We're not going home anymore. We're going back for different reasons. And because of the revelation of the risen Jesus, their had hope becomes hope once more. Their hope moves from the, the past and once again is lodged in the future. And you go, and why? Why? And you go, because, because God has revealed himself. Once again, this is not a problem of information. This is not a problem of identification. This is a problem of revelation. People tell me that they're looking for God. And I say, your, your, your pursuit will be in vain unless he reveals himself to you. And hear me on this, like information, good, that's good, that's good. Being able to identify God, that's good. The, you know, the things of God, that, that seems like a thing of God. Yeah, those, those are good things. The identification and the information, those are both very good things. However, they are, they are, they are not sufficient on their own. And so in fact, I was talking with somebody just yesterday who was talking about trying to find God. And I said, I think that the best, prayer, the best prayer that you can pray is that you ask God to reveal himself to you. Because if he doesn't, then your pursuit will be in vain. I said, but, 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 if and when he does, you have to let it go where it goes. And this is what we see here. The risen Jesus reveals himself. You know why? Because God loves to reveal himself. That's why I can tell people to pray that with confidence. Pray that with confidence. You know why? Because God loves to reveal himself. I've got, I've got, there's, there's story, I've got stories in my own life. I've got stories upon stories in here. And you probably have stories in your life where God has revealed himself to you. 
I go, because we, we follow a God who, who loves to reveal himself. And I feel just like this sometimes. I feel like these, these guys on the way to Emmaus, I feel like this sometimes, where God reveals himself just to go. I'm like, Come back here. Just stay. He goes, no, I'm going to go, but I'm going to come and I'm going to reveal myself again and again and again. And so maybe you're here and, and you've been asking God to reveal himself to you. Or maybe you're here and you don't care much of God. And I would, I, would, I would encourage you to do this. I would encourage you to, to ask God to, to reveal himself to you. We believe, I'm, I'm biased in the sense where, well, I, I believe it's the risen Jesus. And I think the risen Jesus will reveal himself to you. You can amass the information, you can amass the identification, but without the revelation, it will be in vain. And this is what people will say, I just want more information. I want more information. I want more ways to be able to identify that it's really, truly God. And I go, yeah, you can amass those, but then you'll just have a library full of those. And what you need is revelation. Maybe you are a Christian and the, and the risen Jesus has revealed himself to you. You go, yes, this happened. And I am a Christian. Then I would say, actually the same prayer is for you. Have you been discouraged? Then I would say, then, then ask God, say, God, I, I've been discouraged. God, Jesus, would you reveal yourself to me? Not in the sense of to prove yourself, but just to remind me that you're here. Because w- what do we say that these people are? It says that the, the very beginning was that very day when two of them, referring to followers of Jesus, these were not people that had, had disagreed with Jesus. Now we don't think it's Jesus. We know, we don't know. These are actually followers of Jesus who are then leaving. And it's the revealed Jesus to them that returns them. And so even if you are a Christian, you've been feeling discouraged, maybe there are some places in your life where you had hoped. I had hoped. I had hoped it would have turned out differently. But the beautiful thing is about when Jesus reveals himself, the had hope goes back to hope once again. Hope is taken out of the past and then relaged into the future, taken away of disappointment, shame, regret, and then moved into the place of victory, anticipation, and expectation. May this not just be a day of the celebration of Jesus and the resurrection, but may we celebrate this idea that Jesus loves to reveal himself. And may that be true not just of Easter, but may that be true for us every day that follows forth. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for this morning. We thank you that you are the revealed one. We thank you that you are the revealed one. That We thank you that it's not just about information. It's not just about identification, but one of revelation. And unless you reveal yourself, Jesus, all of this will be for naught. We thank you that you are one who loves to reveal. And God, I pray for those that are here looking for you. I pray that you would reveal yourself. I pray that in that revelation, 
that those that are here, that they, they would let the journey take them where the journey takes them. And probably in many of our cases, maybe it's, it's back. Thank you that you are the author of our journeys. I pray those, for those that are here that are, have been discouraged, who have, who have had hoped. Jesus, I pray that you would reveal yourself to them this week and that then hope would be, would be taken out of the past and then relodged into the future. That away would go the disappointment, the shame, the loss, and hope would be reinfused with anticipation, expectation, and victory. We love you, Jesus. We thank you that you've given us a reason to celebrate. We thank you that the cross is empty. We thank you that the tomb is empty. And we thank you that you have come to us. We thank you so much. We pray for these things in your name. Amen.